The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The shepherds went in haste to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the infants lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known the message that had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by these shepherds. And Mary kept all these things reflecting on them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. When eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The Gospel of the Lord. The way that Christmas fell this year is uh, one of the ways in which we experience the longest Advent we possibly can. When Christmas falls on a Sunday, it gives us the opportunity to experience the full fourth week of Advent. Uh, It's also called the Priest Christmas because it gives us the least amount of liturgies to do. (laughs) There's another version of Christmas known as the Devil's Christmas, which sounds super weird, Uh, but that's when Christmas falls on a Friday. (laughs) Because you have all of Thursday, all of Friday, all of Saturday, all of Sunday, and then you do it again the next week. But what happens when Christmas falls on a Sunday is it it affects a little bit of what we do this week. It affects a little bit of the octave. Because oftentimes, what was celebrated yesterday, Holy Family, gets moved to Sunday. But because of how everything falls, Holy Family stays where it is on Friday, And we celebrate now Mary, Mother of God. Because Mary, Mother of God, is always celebrated on the the day before the new year. And what we have then uh, in the coming weeks are are more of those celebrations regarding the family itself, which is really beautiful. So there's, there's many ways we can approach this particular Sunday message. We can look at it in the, in the glimpse of wrapping up the, the secular year. We can look at it as far as looking ahead to the, the new year. We can look at it uh, and talk about the importance of, and the goodness of the family. We can look at it and talk about the importance and the goodness of Mary as, as a mother, and especially to God. But let's, before we get into any of those, let's talk about that first reading. Because numbers... It's in the book, it's in the Torah, it's in those first five books, and it it doesn't usually get addressed very often because, let's admit it, it's confusing. But today it's a very simple, very simple expression. And if any of you have listened to Christian music in the last five years, you probably would have heard a song called The Blessing by Carrie Job and Cody Carnes. I'm tempted to sing it for you, but I won't. (laughs) But there's the lines like, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And and that's like the the main refrain over and over and over again in that song. And then they they switch it out to another bridge and they talk about, um, May his blessings be bestowed upon you for a thousand generations. And so I looked up just to see, like, exactly where is that stuff? Because they're pulling it from Scripture. Clearly they're pulling that from Numbers, what we heard today. But the other part, that, that the fact that God keeps his covenant, he's talking about this thousand generations, 
comes from the book of Deuteronomy. Now, if we dive a little bit deeper into the numbers reading, and we try to get a little bit more understanding about what is going on here, Aaron, who's part of the the priestly group of the Levites, um, would have been offering this blessing. It would have been a priestly blessing he's bestowing upon his people. And it's weird because Aaron, in his blessing in the book of Leviticus, is before numbers. So it's like, if you look at it like uh, linearly, it's like, okay, you've got... Uh, Leviticus, and then you got numbers, but the blessing is here. None of that really matters. I'm just painting a picture for you, so you can forget all of that, what I just said. But what we recognize is, one, it's a, it's a blessing. It's a, it's a prissy blessing, so it's a blessing with authority. Okay. This blessing with authority uh, is combined with the fact that the Lord uh, is going to gaze upon us, look upon us. Uh, when he gazes and looks upon us, we are then changed and transformed. Okay. And this blessing goes on for generations to generations to generations, thousand generations. So it's not like it's only limited to a certain type of people or a group of people. But this is the the key part about this. God, who has a blessing for us, we see that in the Old Testament, we recognize that in the New with Jesus, doesn't just give his blessings to anybody. And people might think, oh, no, he's God. He, like, he loves everyone. Yes, God does love all. But specifically, God will give blessings to those in relationship with him, those in covenant with him, those who are a part of his family. So then when we take all of this in consideration today for Mary, mother of God, we probably won't debate so much about the idea of Mary being the mother of God. I mean, if you want to debate that, we can talk after Mass, but... I think that's pretty straightforward. Okay. But Mary being the mother of God, and then later on we say that Mary's the mother to the church, us, and then she's queen of heaven, right? And so this idea that we have relationship through Christ because of Mary. And what we just celebrated last week with the incarnation, right? The fact that God himself takes on flesh becomes human so that he can be like us is also so that we can be reminded to be like him. Now, none of us are going to be perfect. None of us are are going to be uh, godly and all that, but we are still called through this relationship to, one, receive blessing from God, but then secondly, to bestow blessing on others. And I think that's where we can lose sight a lot of times. We forget to offer blessings to each other. I mean, parents, how many of you bless your children at night? All right, so how many parents are going to start blessing their children at night? Excellent. One person. Two people. Husbands and wives, how many of you bless one another? Okay, how many of you are going to start blessing one another? Exactly. Siblings, how many of you? No, never mind, we're not going to go there. (laughs) By our relationships, we have authorities to do things. And it can be really intimidating. Like, in the Catholic Church, it's a really intimidating thing. It's not a thing that we are common of talking about. But my brothers and sisters, my friends, this is a truth, and this is a reality The Lord will bless us, yes, but he will also use us to bless others. That's awesome. 
So the fact that parents have an authority with their children to give a blessing, that's fact, that's truth. The fact that husband and wife have blessing to give to one another, that is fact, that is truth. But we can also, in the name of God, ask for blessings for others. When we pray for each other, that's what we're doing. When we offer prayers and invocations on behalf of the church, for the church, that's, that's an authority that we do. The other part about this whole section with Mary is that who's talking to her? Who's actually like the voice in this section? It's the shepherds. I think we really forget about the shepherds often in the manger scene, but they're there. And they're the first ones who heard about that message of, of Jesus. Like the angel said, go and, and adore him. Go and celebrate him. And so they go, they're like, what are we doing here? I don't know, we're looking for a kid. I guess we'll find him somehow. And then they find him, they, they recognize it in their heart, and they give this, this comment to Mary. And it's fascinating because it says, Mary held all these things in her heart. She held them quietly in her heart. So the father sends the son, and the son is here to redeem all the nations. And then we hear in that um, reading, the second reading, uh, the divine maternity of Mary. She's mother of God, Theotokos, okay? But the spirit is also there to renew and sanctify life. So now we've got this trifold nature going on, the father and the son and the spirit. That's really cool. Mary being the mother of God, that's part of our connection to the family. But the more we know about Mary, actually the more we can know about our faith, which, I mean, I've always wanted to know more about my faith, don't you? Good, okay, head nods are good. I'll take the head nods. So would you believe it if I said that to know more about Mary means I know more about Christ? Yes or yes? Excellent. I'm not going to really give you an option, but yes. What about knowing more about Mary gives us more knowledge about the church? Okay, good. A little timid there, but good. What about knowing more about Mary gives us more knowledge about the Spirit? Right, and so like there's really fancy words for these. There's Christology, Ecclesiology, Pneumatology. I just wanted to say it because it makes me sound smart. But Christology, the study of Christ. Ecclesiology, the study of the church. Uh, Pneumatology, the study of the Spirit. When we know Mary, we actually know these things better, whether or not it fully uh, appears to our mind. We also see within her, um, this, is, this is kind of crazy, we see within her as, as a human in her nature and her being created, the insight into God's idea of us as creation being a gift. Okay. If we believe the idea that all things are created by God are good, which we should, and we're created by God, so we are good, true, then that means we are a gift. Mary was the prime example of a gift. She, she was created not just to be the mother of God, not just to be the spouse of Joseph, but she was created as the example to show, like, what does it mean for me to be a gift? Here's the other, this one, this one blew my mind, and I was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Regarding the scene of the Annunciation, okay, so this is a totally different area, but when Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you will be the mother to God, and she says, okay. After her little confusion, she says, okay. It's the first time ever 
that God's program starts to work because someone responded the way that they were supposed to respond. Let's just consider that. Because Mary conceived without sin, right? She has no inclination to do anything other than the will of the Father. It's the first time. Now, a lot of people throughout salvation history did, did good stuff. They did right things. They also made lots of errors, okay? It's the first time, though, in the whole program that the response was, was just naturally done as it was intended to be. Going back to this idea that if Mary, mother of God, is our mother, then that means I've taken on the characteristics of my mother. I take on the characteristics of my parents, for better or for worse. Mary is our spiritual heavenly mother. We've taken on these characteristics, which means we can actually triumph and overcome evil inclinations, sinful inclinations. We can triumph and overcome uh, desires that are not for our betterment. We can overcome all these things because we are in the image and likeness of God and in through the gift of Mary. There's a lot there to soak up. I understand. I took a class in the seminary called Mariology. It's the whole study of Mary. It was an entire semester. I had 16 classes of this with an hour and a half for each class for an entire semester. There are people who have dedicated their lives of study, decades of their lives, to the study of Mary. You're getting 12 minutes on one day in the year. It's okay if it blows your mind a little bit. But what does this all mean for us? Like, what is the, what's the end result? Let's just take the one, the one line that, that really stays there, okay, with all this in the end. Mary kept all these things, reflecting on them in her heart. Do we allow God's workings, movements, promptings, interactions, things of him, do those things, do we let them rest in our heart? Not just to, to sit there and like, okay, I'll deal with it later, but like, let it rest there and I'll think about it, and I chew on it a little bit, I ponder it, and then I go back to it, I'm a little more, I have a little more insight, a little more confused, and then I, I keep going back to it. The challenge for us is to allow the things of our faith to rest in the silence of our hearts. To take what we have and to just sit with it. To reflect on it. And that's what Mary does. She does it in silence the challenge for us is to probably one find silence and then two be okay with silence and with this new year right there, there's always the new goals the new what do we call them resolutions i'm gonna start doing this okay we'll see you're good for like a week this would be my proposition. It's, it's more of a mindset than an actual resolution. It's a resolution, but it's a mindset. Okay. Instead of saying, I'm going to start doing this, right, and just a blanket statement, uh, and I'll use exercise as the example because that tends to be everything's an example. I'm going to start working out every day. 
well, you haven't worked out every day for the last five years. So, how is that a rational goal? Don't think it is. Let's say, I'm going to start working out once a week. Okay, okay, this is good, this is good. But get a little more specific. I'm going to work out once a week, let's say, Saturday at 5 p.m. Interesting, interesting. I like this. Or maybe you pick Sunday at 9 a.m. Also a good choice. Because we're working out our soul. <laughs> you got it, right? Okay. We start by like setting a, a tangible goal for ourselves. And then we say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work out maybe twice a week. I'm going to work out Saturday or Sunday at 5 or 9, and I'm going to also work out Wednesdays at 7 p.m. It's family. That's adult formation, by the way. This is good. This is good. Let's, 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 let's throw in one more thing. Let's work out three times a week. Let's go work out Mondays at 530. It's one of the daily masses. Okay, you get the point. Make a reasonable, rational goal with your spiritual growth for the year to say, I have a lot of things to ponder. There's a lot about Mary that Father Jay talked about tonight. I don't remember Jack about any of it. That's fine. But do I let myself rest in a place of silence with God? Do I set rational, reasonable, tangible goals with my faith so that I do have like these dedicated times where I'm going to go and offer my worship and my time and the gift of myself back to him? And then as we keep developing those habits, we keep growing. So the, the challenge for this new year is to create a new mindset. And if you've already are doing the, the weekly workout and you've already added in the second workout, you've already got the third workout in, who do you want to invite along? Because I'll tell you, it's way easier to work out when you've got someone with you. It is way easier to grow in faith when you've got someone walking with you to talk with you, to, to pray with you. And so who's that person I need to dedicate some more time into invitation with. The mindset, the goal, and then the extension. Like, how do I extend this out? Because if we are all gift, then we need to give our gift away. And that gift is so that others can come and encounter, come and receive, come and grow. Brothers and sisters, I pray that we see a year of growth here at St. Bernard's a year of, of renewal and revival and just uh, intense uh, happiness uh, with what the Lord wants to do in our lives, but it requires us to begin by going to a place of silence and to hear him so that we can respond.